What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is episode 57, and this is going to be our NXT TakeOver Toronto review. So we do have a special guest host with us, um, and we've got David Anderson on the line. Welcome, David. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Um, I'm sure, just as I am, you're looking forward to covering an excellent show from NXT last night. Oh, yes. Can't wait. I um, I hope everybody's enjoying the Sunday, yourself included. Yeah, most definitely. Before we get chatting about NXT TakeOver Toronto from last evening, just a few plugs to throw out there so you know where to find us on social media. Um, as always, we're on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is outwithjohners underscore pod. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Johnners. And of course, go out and join our Facebook group. Uh, go on to Facebook and search Wrestling with Johnners. And that's about J-O-H-N-E-R-S, Wrestling with Johnners. Of course, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to hit like subscribe share and shout about the rest of Majona's podcast this is the only podcast in my opinion for all of your weekly NXT NXT UK occasional WWE AEW um, and kind of all-round wrestling goodness so please spread the word tell your friends and tell your family and help to grow this podcast so that we can continue producing quality content for you each and every week uh, right uh, David uh, going into takeover what were your initial thoughts and kind of where was your kind of hype level ahead of last night's show? Um, I mean, always, obviously, we know of, of old that um, NXT always tends to deliver on these shows, but I think it gets to the point where you think, can they even go higher with these events? I mean, you know, I, I was hyped for the show as always and looking forward to what they had to offer because they always deliver every single time out. I mean, we're on, on what, like the 26th event or something like that now? Yeah. And they uh, but I really felt like, can they really go any higher? And, you know, I'm sure as we'll get into, they certainly, um, you know, exceeded expectations once again. It's crazy the the level of uh, performance that they can give and just seem to top it every single time out. Yeah, the consistency of these NXT takeovers, as with the, the the weekly NXT show, has been absolutely phenomenal. Now, one thing I want to talk to you a little bit later on in the podcast is um, the, the almost certainty that it looks like it's going to be moving to FS1 in October to combat uh, the AEW's Wednesday Night Dynamite. But we're going to touch on that a little bit later on um, so that we can kind of see off the back of uh, takeover what how it might change the product of NXT later on in the year. I just want to kind of touch on uh, some shows that are coming up soon here on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Our schedule as it stands at the minute. So, of course, we've got SummerSlam this evening. Uh, so as uh, me and David are talking about TakeOver from last night, we're only a few hours from the SummerSlam hitting our screens on the WWE Network. And um, I'll be covering SummerSlam with uh, um, Heather and uh, Chris otherwise known as Half Decent, and we'll be covering that on our Tuesday show, which will be a special SummerSlam review show. Um, skipping forward to the end of the month, on Friday the 30th of August, I'll be joined by Kieran Reed, where we'll be doing our um, usual weekly NXT and NXT UK recap show, but it'll be a special NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff go-home show, a special preview show ahead of uh, NXT TakeOver Cardiff, which is taking place on the 31st in Cardiff and both myself and David will be in Cardiff for that very special event on yes. Sunday, the 1st of September. Yay. On <laughs> Sunday, the 1st of September, I'm hoping to have David along with me again to cover all the special events from Cardiff from the night before. And then on Monday, the 2nd, I'll be joined by Ash Crawford and Chris Thornton. They join me on AEW's double or nothing episode. You may remember, and they'll be joining me for the next pay-per-view from all elite wrestling all out. 
Did I also mention, David, that uh, we're selling T-shirts now. We are uh, just like AEW was at the beginning of the year. We're a T-shirt company now. Um, you can buy all of our T-shirts at uh, teespring.com. The full address is teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash wrestling with Johnners. And if you purchase anything from Teespring between now and the end of August, you can get 10% off your purchase. Uh, David, so uh, let's have a look at uh, TakeOver Toronto from last night. The first match to kick us off was for the NXT Tag Team Championships, and it was between uh, two of our favourite tag teams, the Street Profits and the Undisputed Era. So I'll go through some of the key spots and we'll discuss it in a bit more detail, but uh, both teams uh, make plenty of quick tags as the match begins with the Undisputed Era soon getting the upper hand with Fish and O'Reilly beaten down and the bigger Angelo Dawkins. Ford eventually gets to tag in and drops Fish to the canvas with a leaping clothesline getting a two count after a standing moonsault. A pretty impressive move there from uh, Montez Ford. Ford then sets up uh, for the Rock's people at people's elbow before being uh, caught by Kyle O'Reilly as he hits the ropes only to get a two count shortly after with another Rock move. The Rock bottom on Bobby Fish. Montez uh, channeling his inner rock there in that segment of moves. Uh, the Undisputed Era gets a two count of their own after a beautiful bit of tandem offense from the two with uh, a code breaker into a German suplex. Uh, from uh, Fish and O'Reilly. Fish hits a super exploder onto Ford, followed by a flying knee from the top rope by O'Reilly, with O'Reilly slapping on an Achilles lock. Uh, Ford, Montez Ford, is eventually saved by his partner Dawkins, crashing the party. Um, Dawkins gets the hot tag and is soon joined by Montez Ford with a leaping blockbuster, getting a two count for the profits there. Uh, the fans are really into the action here and the momentum changes once again with Fish and O'Reilly. They, they both get knocked to the outside, however, and Ford hits a tope over the top rope onto both opponents. Dawkins connects with Tandem Spears, first to Kyle O'Reilly, then onto Bobby Fish, uh, before Ford hits his trademark frog splash onto Kyle O'Reilly. Covers and gets to one, two, three. And after 18 minutes of excellent fast-paced tag team action, the Street, Pro Street Profits retain their NXT Tag Team Championship. So um, it might be considered a bit of a surprise because I think a lot of the talk and a lot of the hype going into TakeOver Toronto was that the Undisputed Era were looking to uh, gain all the gold by the end of the night. But it's threw a little bit of a spanner in the works there. Um, and uh, a great opener, David. Um, you, you know that when you've got teams of this calibre, the Street Profits and the Undisputed Era in the ring together, you're going to get something special. And um, I don't think either team have had a, a bad TakeOver match. So what were your thoughts on this opener? I definitely really enjoyed it. It was a very good match. Unfortunately, the Undisputed Era set such a high standard that unless you get like a match that you did with, say, like Mustache Mountain or somebody like that, then you're always going to feel a little disappointed. But I thought it was a really good match. Um, you know, the Street Profits, you, you look at uh, Montez particularly and you see like a mega superstar possible breakout. And, it, and it's no disrespect to uh, Angelo Dawkins, who's a very solid wrestler. And I think he's got an amateur background as well. But you kind of, you know, you look at Montez and he just makes everything look so easy, as you, you know, alluded to about the the dive to the floor and everything. He's just so fluid, and and uh, my girlfriend actually describes it that he has uh, like a, a rubber man kind of, you know, look about him, and and he he's just so so exciting, and you know, he's just so progressive as well that you could see him as uh, a breakout star. But the match was really good. I, I thought, you know, you expected them um, the the bad guys as in you know, the undisputed era it was a little disappointing obviously in the result that you know they didn't win because that set up a kind of uh, you know for the rest of the night you realize they're not going to be able to do you know the full swoop and get all of the yeah. the championships and whatnot but it didn't take i thought there was a really 
cool spot, which I can't remember seeing in a, a match for a long time, when Angelo Dawkins got the tag and he, and he literally threw Bobby Fish across the ring into uh, Kyle O'Reilly or vice versa. And, and I, I can't remember the last time. I mean, I'd really have to rack my brains and go back and think of a time that that's happened. I thought that was a really, like, it was a simple spot, but it was a really impressive, you know, feat of strength. And I don't know if it was just the selling uh, you know, on the part of the Undisputed Era as well for, you know, taking the move and getting up there for it. But, you know, Angelo Dawkins, he's the he's the kind of, uh, you know, the go-between and everybody looks at, like, uh, Montez as the, as the star, but he, he does his part. And, and I felt like, you know, when the Prophets went to Raw and they're doing all of these backstage bits, it kind of took away and made the characters a little bit more irritating. But then you get back to a takeover and all is forgiven, you know. It was a really good match and a really good way to open the show, I thought. Yeah, and I think that's another reason why we might have expected a, a title to change hands um, before the match started, because we have seen a lot of the profits on, on Raw in backstage segments, um, so we probably thought that, that that might be their kind of permanent uh, uh, place of home, um, but uh, it doesn't uh, appear that way, so I, I think the Street Profits uh, make a very, very good tandem, excellent tag team champions, I think they're very, very popular uh, with the NXT fans. Um, just trying to figure out in my own head who might be kind of potential opponents down the line. I mean, you've obviously got other heel teams like the Forgotten Sons, possibly. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, there's a chance also that uh, their feud with the Undisputed Era continues on to the next uh, next takeover, which I believe is War Games. But we will have to see. But um, a good result, an excellent match. And uh, let's have a look at the second match of the night, which was... The first of two women's matches um, in a takeover, which I think is the first time it's happened. They normally have uh, a card of five matches on each of the takeovers. Usually one of those is the women's championship match. But this is the first time we've had two women's championship match uh, on a takeover. Now, I've seen in, in some of your Facebook activity that you were kind of uh, a big proponent of this. Um, you, you're a massive fan of, of women's wrestling, um, as, as a lot of us are. Um, but to have two women's matches on the uh, NXT card of five is certainly a big deal, isn't it, David? It is. It's just the way the business is evolving, as I think we spoke about last time. You know, the, the women are no longer taking a back seat in their throwaway matches. They're just as important part of the card, and some people, you know, are buying tickets specifically to see those type of matchups. And I thought this was another excellent example of that. It's it's nice to see how you know women's wrestling is starting to get some respect, some traction after you know your WrestleManias and and what have you. And, you know, there's certainly uh, competent workers all over the NXT brands. So, yeah, I, I was I was really excited for this match. And uh, I, I was a little bit concerned, to be honest with you, because um, EO hasn't been quite on a stardom level form. And from our Japanese days, if anybody's, uh, you know, been lucky enough to see um, some of our stardom matches. Um, but, you know, a lot of people were saying that, um, I mean, I saw a few comments about Candice maybe not, you know, not living up to expectations. But for anybody who's seen her on the indies, particularly like Pro Wrestling Gorilla, you know, she's more than capable and a very exciting wrestler. So I thought it could have went one of two ways this match and it could have been a bit scrappy and kind of uh, disjointed. But thankfully, we got an excellent match, which was very exciting. Yeah, totally agree. So before this match began, we got uh, an excellent video package package giving us a full update on what led us to this match between these two, showing us uh, the heel turn from EO on her former friend and now bitter enemy Candice LeRae. Um, EO uh, comes down to the ring with her updated music, her updated look, uh, red highlights to her hair. So uh, a complete image change as well as a, a change of character here for EO Shirai since her real heel change, of course. Uh, this is Candice LeRae's, believe it or not, this is Candice LeRae's takeover wrestling debut you know we've seen her on a lot of um, nxt takeovers 
usually by the side of Johnny Gargano or coming out after matches, but it's a, a takeover debut, which is even more kind of um, stunning to say, considering that she's probably uh, wrestled on, I believe, at least one WWE pay-per-view this year. She was on the uh, the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, the women's uh, Rumble, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but she wastes no time here, going right after Rio Shirai before the bell even sounds. And when the bell does sound, the action uh, you know continued at a frantic pace with EO suplexing Luray onto the announcer's table at ringside. Um, and this is all within less than 60 seconds of the beginning of the match. Um, Shirai gets a two count from a, a vicious running air raid crash. Candice recovers and gets a two count of her own from a brain buster. EO attempts a, a 619 on Luray only to be, be caught in the ropes and dropped with a neck breaker. However, EO does manage to connect on a second attempt to, uh, at a 619. Luray connects with the dive through the ropes, turning it into a tornado DDD, then nailing a double foot stomp for a close near fall. Um, the two exchange snap German suplexes before Shirai gets a close near fall from a bridge in German. Luray is able to hit reverse runner for a two count and then connects with a swinging net breaker for a second from the second rope, with the story of the match here being Luray selling her injured neck after the table spot at the beginning of the match. Then, impossibly the move of the match, there's a top rope Spanish fly from Io Shirai for another close near fall. Shirai then executes her trademark moonsault, but Luray kicks out on two. Shirai then slaps on a Koji clutch in the centre of the ring and even traps Candice LeRae's right hand. The referee calls for the end of the match and LeRae passes out for the end of this uh, this match. So another really fun match from beginning to end. As you said, this was a really smooth match. It's hard hitting, some great action, some really great selling from Candice LeRae as well with uh, Shirai cementing her heel character and a real breakout performance I felt from Candice LeRae. But um, the victory went to Shirai after 17 minutes. And some might say this was also a breakout performance for Io Shirai, as you rightly mentioned at the very beginning, she's not really shone or reached her full potential in NXT. But I think this match changed that. Uh, like I say, it was a breakup performance for both, in my opinion. Uh, what's your thoughts on this match and kind of uh, what favours it's done for both individuals at the conclusion of this match, David? Definitely 100% in the case of Io Shirai. You know, um, she was, as I said, struggling a little bit with a uh, um, babyface character in uh, WWE and NXT. But uh, like now, it, it's like she's completely reborn as this character. The the facials, the mannerisms, the the evil streak, even a wrestling seems more crisp and and she just seems more comfortable all round with the character. Um, even when um, mentioned on Facebook to somebody, even when she had uh, Candice in a submission hold or rest hold, um, her facials were fantastic. You know the the expressions. She looked like you know maniacal basically. Uh, uh, she's really like seems a lot happier and a lot more comfortable with this heel persona and uh candace is a very good at you know being a sympathetic uh, you know character with her being a smaller um wrestler but it, it was a it was a great match and, and a great illustration of both of them and also a great start for candace uh, you know letting people see what she's all about as a wrestler and hopefully she'll get more opportunities to show, show what she's capable of going forward and EO has made no secret of the fact that she already wants to go right back after that, you know, NXT Women's Championship, whoever's got it, whether that's still Shayna with her stranglehold on the belt or not. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Thoroughly enjoyed this. And uh, looks like we're in 17 minutes. That was, uh, you know, it didn't seem, uh, you know, it, it seemed to go a lot quicker than 17 minutes, but uh, they definitely capitalised on every single minute. And I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Then we get a surprise appearance for Matt Riddle with a microphone in hand. He calls out Killian Dane after his attack on last week's uh, NXT telling him to get his hairy ass out and fight him in the ring. We get an impromptu brawl between these two. Uh, referees come out to break up the brawl, but Riddle wants to continue the fight, dropping Dane with a couple of huge knee strikes on the stage before um, even more people come out from the back with Riddle taking out everybody. Um, at one point during this brawl, brawl, Riddle is on Killian Dane's back, and after several attempts to knock Riddle off, Dane runs and leaps from the stage, crashing through some tables down below. Uh, that was a pretty cool spot and I don't think um, anyone expected an impromptu brawl between these two to take place at TakeOver but a brawl is what they got. Uh, what were your thoughts on this segment? Obviously they've had some uh, pretty decent brawls um, on, on NXT TV. This one happened at a TakeOver. It wasn't a match but it certainly makes you want more from these two and uh, I can't wait to see a match uh, for real between Matt Riddle and Killian Dane, David. Definitely, and it shows once again how you can rebuild a character like Killian Day in, in no time. You know, he didn't really get much of an opportunity on the main roster, and just no. in order, he's got people interested in seeing him, you know, wrestle and seeing him compete against uh, Matt Riddle. I think we're probably, obviously, looking at some kind of stipulation match with these two, probably on a takeover, like maybe a, a last man standing or something, you know, some kind of special stipulation. Let's not let Regal maybe do that because he's gone a bit over the. <laughs> I was thinking stipulations lately, but I'm sure we'll get to that one too. But yeah, yeah. he's again just like Neo. He's, he's completely recreated Killian Dane, isn't he? And uh, you know, I'm sure that'll be a very hard-hitting and physical match between uh, Matt Riddle that we can all look forward to. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, and then we see Austin Theory uh, in the crowd, and it looks as though we've got the, the very talented 23-year-old current Evolve champion, and we head into NXT very soon. So both you and I, we, we saw Austin Theory at uh, Progress in Birmingham in March. Um, I know that uh, ahead of uh, that show, you were, you were keen to kind of get your picture taken with Austin, so you obviously done your research, you know a bit about him. He had a very enjoyable match with Trent Seven that night, sir. But uh, what's your thoughts on Austin Theory? I mean, it's surprising that he's only 23. He's already accomplished quite a bit. I mean, I saw him uh, last April in New Orleans when he wrestled on the uh, the Fan Access. Um, and and uh, I think the world is his oyster. As I said to you in a, a Facebook conversation earlier today, he's got the look. He's got the, the character. He's certainly got the in-ring in ability. And I think um, at the tender age of just 23, I think given a few years, um, he could reach the very top. What are your thoughts on this individual? I say yes, I'm 100% to everything that you said there because, um, you know, again, when you look at a Montez Ford, a Velveteen Dream, you're looking at the, you know, you always can pick out these stars of the future sometimes. He's got all the, the tools there, he's got the youth. It's amazing, you know, this this lad's on top of um, Evolve and he's the WNN champion and, you know, it, it, the sky's the limit for him. He's, he's got the look that um, WWE craves, but he's got the ability to go along with it and, it's amazing now where you're seeing these wrestlers coming along, whether it's an MGF in you know AEW or um, you know Austin Fury or Darby Allen or whoever. They're such a young age, and yet you can see that star quality in all of them. And WWE's done well to get a hold of them before anybody else did, you know. And I actually thought that we, they might have got Darby Allen too, but that's another story for another day. But yeah. He, he is a future superstar along with the Velvet. You can see these people. You can see the nucleus of 
a headline act, you know, for all of them and uh, headline feuds in the future. And I can't wait to see it, to be honest. Mm-hmm, definitely, definitely. So no doubt he'll be um, at uh, NXT tapings fairly soon. We'll get to see him over the next couple of months, no doubt. Uh, and then we get match number three, which is for the NXT North American Championship. Now, this is a three-way match uh, featuring current champion Velveteen Dream versus the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne versus Undisputed Era member Roderick Strong. So to kick things off, we get a rendition of the Mounties theme. Now, in my opinion, one of the best entrance themes uh, of all time, belonging to uh, the Mountie or uh, uh, the Quebecers um, back in the, the early 90s. And uh, yeah, the Mountie might have been a kind of a, a, a one of the quote unquote cartoon gimmicks from the uh, the early to mid 1990s. But uh, you couldn't get away. I thought that the character was an excellent character, a great heel, uh, but an en- excellent entrance music. And uh, we got some dancers on stage to celebrate the Toronto Rapids NBA championship win, uh, preceded by the entrance of the North American champion, as I said, the Velveteen Dream, doing what he does best, and that is to put on a show. Pete Dunne comes out last uh, to an excellent ovation from the Toronto fans. Um, to start the match, uh, Velveteen Dream and Pete Dunne work together to clear Strong from the ring. Dream is uh, just able to escape an attempted bitter end from Dunne before Strong pulls Dream crotch first into the ring post and then drops Pete Dunne back uh, back first across the ring barrier. The barrier at ringside, Mauro Ronaldo reminds us that Dunne and Roderick Strong were briefly tag team partners headed into TakeOver New Orleans last April before Strong turned his back on Pete Dunne during that uh, championship match and joined forces with the undisputed Beauty era at the conclusion of that match. Uh, Dream puts on a sharpshooter onto Roderick Strong. However, Dunn uh, brought an end to that move with a drop kick from the top rope to the back of the Velveteen Dream. Dunn delivers a moonsault onto both opponents on the outside with Pete Dunn on a tear at this point as he German suplexes Strong onto the Velveteen Dream for another two count. Um, all three men then hit our tr- their trademark moves with Dream hitting his Dream Valley driver, Strong delivering his Olympic slam and Pete Dunn dropping Strong with an X-plex as the crowd break out into this is awesome chance. Uh, in one of the highlights of the match, Pete Dunn has Roderick Strong in a triangle in the corner of the ring. Then we see the Velveteen Dream go up to the opposite corner and executes an incredible flying elbow onto Pete Dunne from corner to corner. So that was a pretty special move and Dream didn't even struggle on the delivery. Uh, Strong then goes on on a tear of his own uh, with running forearms and suplexes before applying a double stronghold on both opponents. Um, then after finger-snapping both the Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong on the top rope, uh, at the same time, might I add, um, Dunn then delivers his bitter end finisher, but the referee is late to make the count uh, as he's distracted by the Velveteen Dream. Uh, then Dream is able to stop the referee from counting the three after physically getting the, in the referee's way. Now remember, this is a, been a three-way, it's a noted Q match, so the Velveteen Dream cannot be disqualified for his antics. The finishing sequence and the end of this match is just as frantic as the rest of the match as uh, Dream hits his Dream Valley driver. Um, strong throws, so I believe he, he hits his Dream Valley driver on Pete Dunn. Roderick Strong throws Dream out of the ring and nails Dunn with his uh, suplex backbreaker. Uh, but then Dream gets back into the ring, throws Roderick Strong out of the ring, covers Pete Dunn and gets a three count to retain his championship after an incredible 19 minutes. So, David, um, it just gets better and better for this TakeOver Toronto card. And this is match number three. And uh, th- this tops the previous two matches. This was my favourite match of the night so far. Uh, what say you? 
it was yeah, it was such a frenetic pace, wasn't it? You talked yeah. about how these how these matches just whiz by, and and the, the whole pay per views do. I mean, I'll often finish a pay per view with an NXT and and feel like I've only been up for like an hour and a half, and I'm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't afterwards, which is how I used to feel about the the main roster, and that's not just because I was young, but anyway, getting in the match, it was it's just it, we talk about Velveteen Dream and Pete Dunne and everything, but you know, uh, Roderick Strong was the the glue that held that all together. I felt like in that entire match, he was quietly like a a, a new school Arn Anderson or somebody like that. He just he, he's so uh, technically proficient, he's so solid, and everything he does looks like it hurts. Whether it's you know a shot a shot with a, like a forearm or one of his, you know, trademark backbreakers or the yeah. end of heartache and whatnot. But, I mean, they all gave fantastic performances. And I think what speaks to NXT as well is they never just go with the type of match you're expecting. We've seen a lot of Roderick Strong. We've seen a lot of Pete Dunne. And to a lesser extent, Valentin Dream and what he's capable of. And he always shows something new in every match, whether he's imitating another wrestler. He shows that he can do, you know, a very diverse moveset and it's evolving all the time. And again, we spoke about, you know, very young wrestlers. And he's... He's. You look at that man and you think there's another rock for you, Vince. You know, if you mess this up, then you deserve every fan's hate and everybody scorn that. You know that this man. You look at that man and you say money. But anyway, get getting this match. You know, they managed to do every bit of the spots that we expect them to, but with a little twist, like the the, the part where you had Pete Dunn doing his trademark stomp when they're down, but he's doing it on both of them, and then you had uh, Roderick Strong applying the stronghold to both men as well, and it actually. You know, a lot of times when you see this move done, you've seen like Natalia try it on somebody with the sharpshooter, and it doesn't always look very good. But Strong was again speaking of how mechanically great he is. He was able to apply that move and you know put it into the stronghold properly, and you know the fans reacted when he made that adjustment and said you know made it look that much more real. And I think this is what often separates NXT from the main roster is you know they go that extra effort. There's all these little nuances and little things that they do, whether it's in the match or just around the match that makes it that much more special and makes it that much more realistic and as you said this was the match of the night so far and fantastic and you know i watched it back again and there's that spot where uh, roderick strong has both of his opponents against the rope and he's literally running back and forward and just nailing them again and again and it was fantastic you know i was absolutely loving it but yeah so Velveteen Dream, he, he keeps the belt, and poor Pete Dunne had to take the fall. But there was no, you know, there was no shame in any of it, was there? That was like a fantastic match, and it did no harm to any single one of those wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that three-way. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people were not necessarily expecting Pete Dunne to walk away with the belt, but they thought that Roderick Strong might have a chance. He's had a, a decent run of things recently, um, but to the Valentine Dream, as you said, he is definitely a superstar for the future and a deserving champion, and it'll be interesting to see who uh, he goes up against at uh, TakeOver um, TakeOver um, War Games in yeah. October, I think. So that's the next uh, big show from NXT. Now, the next match uh, is for the NXT Women's Championship, Shayna Baszler against Mia Yim. Um, so some might say that this match had a slightly underwhelming build, um, but uh, you, you had Mia Yim going after the other members of the Horsewomen to make sure it didn't play any part in this championship match tonight. However, it, it, it's great to see NXT really getting behind Mia Yim, who's wrestled for just about every promotion in North America and finally gets a chance to put down the dominant two-time champion Shayna Baszler in this match and um, I, I, I think she's grown on me more and more um, as the weeks went on go on and with a, a character development on NXT and uh, you know she, she really seems to have kind of 
become more comfortable on the NXT roster and really seems to have found her place and, and making her mark on NXT. What, what were your thoughts going into this match between Shayna and Mia Yim uh, and what your thoughts kind of on, on the individuals? And in, in particular, Mia Yim, who's uh, kind of, she's not been with NXT too long. She, she's been uh, in some fairly good matches, but this is going to be her biggest match today on NXT. What were your thoughts going into this one? I think, yeah. NXT's um, you know greatest strength is also its biggest problem sometimes in that the takeovers are so good and the standards so high that a match like Mia Yim versus Shayna Baszler, which was a good match and would have been you know a really good match on a main roster pay per view, um, because of the standard of other matches that we'd seen preceding it, that even a good match can seem less. Um, Mia Yim, I, I really enjoy her work. I've been lucky enough to see her on the indies over here um, at Southside and, you know, the likes of them. Um, really nice girl, a really good wrestler. You know, she's got the experience there. I've seen her on the indies um, against uh, Sarah Del Rey. And, you know, she's she really, you know, got that good style and the, the, you know, technical style. And I really thought this match told a good story about, you know, it's it's usually with a Shayna Baszler match, you usually find it's based around the submissions and can you withstand the you know, the, she was working the arm, and the, but Mia Yim was like battling back and be, and sometimes taking a few shortcuts, which the, you know, the commentary team alluded to, and, uh, and I don't know if that was that, alluding to that, like, street style uh, and what have you, but, you know, I think the problem with Mia is she went from just a, a face in the pack and somebody in the locker room when Shayna's, like, you know, dominating everybody and intimidating everybody, to suddenly we've got to believe she's a challenger, and I don't think, like, a lot of people thought she was quite ready for that, maybe if she'd been able to get some kind of, you know, uh, count out a DQ win before then over Shayna and like, yeah. oh, maybe she, maybe she can do this. And she's, you know, she, she, as I said, she's mechanically there. She, the, the character's developing. Uh, a lot of people, are the, like some people like it, some people don't naturally. But I thought the match told a good story and it, it seemed like uh, she had Shayna in trouble and she might be able to overcome the odds. And, and I loved the, the finish. You know, she, she survived the, you know, the Carafuda clutch or however you pronounce it. And, you know, and Shayna had to basically adapt and, and use another submission to, you know, to manage to hold. And, and, and she really looked in, in peril. And that's, I think Shayna's often, like, underestimated. Yes, she hasn't got the most flashy style. She uses a submission style, but that's that's a wheelhouse. That's what she's used to, you know. And, uh, and to do anything, like, flashy, and that would kind of take away from that character, I think. But, you know, she always looks in jeopardy, whether it's against the Ember Moon or whoever, you know. So, and just to being able to survive by the skinny of teeth makes people want to come back and watch another takeover to see if somebody else can just get it done and just, it's almost like a Brock Lesnar where you've got like um people want to want to pay to see him get beat because they hate him so much and they hate his character so much and he thrives off that as does Shayna but I, I, yeah. thought, I thought it was a really good match and, and I, I love I love the finish and uh, unfortunately it was just simply the standard of the other matches was so high that it just seemed a little bit of a come down but Still a very good match, and, and again, didn't do either. I think that's the, the strength, as I was going to say in the last match of NXT, is that sometimes the characters are so good and so over, and you've got these, I mean, in the, the freeway we were talking about just before, you've got these characters that are so well-developed, again, unlike the main roster sometimes, that you you don't want to see anybody lose, and you, you back everybody, but yeah, so... In, in, just to wrap it up and, and save me rambling any further, I, I thought it was a really good match and uh, hope to see that, you know, may I get some more opportunities in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree anymore. And, and uh, say the match did end with uh, Shayna 
winning via submission. Now, she went to put on her trademark Carafuda clutch, but because she was suffering from an arm, arm injury from earlier on in the match, she had to uh, trash, transition into a triangle um, using her legs instead of her arms uh, to eventually get the tap-out victory over Mia Yim there. But as you mentioned, it, it, it was um, a slower-paced match. It wasn't as frantic as the previous three matches, or certainly not as frantic as the, the three-way beforehand for the North American Championship. And it, and it told a different story. Um, it, it told a story of, of kind of both of them working over body parts, um, trying different submissions. There were some high spots in there. Um, but uh, like I say, it, 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 it told more of a... You could say it told more of a story than the other matches um, because of the injuries and because of the selling. Um, and it relied less on the high spots and more on the body parts and the submission. So I thought that it was equally as good as any of the previous matches because it was a different type of match. Um, no, no, you know, it wasn't any worse because it wasn't that, you know, 900 mile an hour frantic pace that we'd seen previously. But I thought the storytelling and the selling um, of the injuries were absolutely top notch in this match and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think one spot in particular that I absolutely loved was when Miriam did the um, avalanche code blue on, to Sh- on Shayna Baszler from the top rope. And that was a phenomenal move. Um, and so like I say, in, in the previous women's match, we saw an excellent Spanish fly from Io Shirai. So these women are, you know, not afraid to pull out some stunning um, high flying moves from the top rope. And the Avalanche Code Blue was uh, definitely a move that I remember. And uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. But let's talk about the main event then, David. So this was a, a two out of three full stipulation match for the NXT Championship. And obviously you've got former champion Johnny Gargano. Johnny Takeover um, versus Adam Cole, the current champion. Now, Cole uh, lost to Gargano in their first two out of three falls match over WrestleMania weekend at Takeover New York. And then at the previous Takeover, Takeover 25, uh, which was just a, a one fall match, Adam Cole won the match and became the new champion. So when we first heard that it was a two out of three falls match, we thought, oh, we've seen one of those before. And then a day or two later, we heard that it was going to be a stipulation match where each wrestler got to choose their own stipulation. Um, I think it was um, probably two NXT episodes ago, both Cole and Gargano chose their stipulations with Gargano choosing a street fight, which was uh, a match that uh, he and Tommaso Ciampa had many of during their big feud throughout 2018 and uh, Adam Cole chose a classic wrestling match because uh, that was what he kind of capitalized on that's uh, how he managed to win his falls um, and uh, kind of get the upper hand in his matches against Johnny Gargano from earlier on in the year and of course it was if it was to go to a uh, third fall uh, there was kind of this this big secret that, that William Regal would be choosing the third fall of uh, the stipulation of the third fall well, it was announced um, I believe on the kickoff and again just before the this match by Beth Phoenix that the third fall chosen by William Regal would be uh, a cage match filled with uh, various weapons. Um, so uh, that, that that sounds quite exciting and different and certainly a, a very physical and violent way to end the match. Now, um, obviously, we're both big fans of Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole's NXT Championship reign to date, uh, David, has been absolutely fantastic, although it's been a short reign so far. Um, kind of, what was, what was your kind of impression going into this match um, and, and kind of what was you looking forward to in particular? What It's quite a unique concept having a two out of three falls match to begin with, but then to have uh, separate stipulations for each of the falls kind of adds that extra element of excitement and danger. So what were your thoughts, David, before this match started? Uh, well, 
firstly, and I'm sure you'll 100% agree, I thought that the way that they handled the announcement of the uh, third stipulation in the weapons cage match was fantastic. You know, it was like people that weren't even watching the pay-per-view or maybe undecided, sorry, the special event because it wasn't actually a pay-per-view. Um, but, you know, if, if you were undecided and you were watching that pre-show and you saw Regal come up, that, that actually took my hype level from, you know, a bit high enough to absolutely in the stratosphere. It was like yeah. I, like I was a, a kid again back watching you know some special announcement in the Attitude Era. You know the first time they announced a, a Hell in a Cell or something like that. You know, it sure. really, I mean it it took the idea. You know because we'd been there before, hadn't we? As great as the before with the two out of three falls match, and I found it a, a little bit of a weird dynamic as well that the seemed to see and the announcers seemed to allude to the fact that you know uh, that. Um, Adam Cole had the advantage in a in a wrestling match when he's in there with Johnny wrestling. You know, I thought that was mm. strange, but you know, because you you would have thought that the street fight would have, um, you know, favored uh, got, um, favored Adam Cole because obviously he's more likely to you know shortcut, and uh, we saw that come in even in the in the first fall, which I'm sure we'll get to as well. But you know, so you take a, a stipulation that they've been there before, but yet again NXT manages to. You know, you didn't even think of that level that they could reach, and they managed to up the excitement. And even before we got to the, you know, the second fall and the third floor fall, you had fans as they had throughout the night shouting, "This is awesome!" and "Mamma Mia!" and all of that. So, yeah, it speaks to just how utterly fantastic. You know, you, you talk about short title reigns, whether it's for Johnny Gargano or Adam Cole, but the characters are built so well, and they're able to connect with fans so well that people are invested in them win, lose, or draw, so it, it was fantastic, and I'm sure we'll get the, just how utterly amazing that this hour match, which again seemed to fly by in half the time, was. Definitely, definitely. Well, the first fall of the three was Adam Cole's stipulation, which was a, a classic uh, wrestling match. So Gargano takes the match to the outside with a clothesline over the top rope and a wrecking ball dropkick sending Cole to the floor. Gargano drives Cole's knee into the edge of the ring, going uh, to work on, on Cole's right leg, essentially. Uh, Cole then gets some retribution with a wheelbarrow suplex on Gargano, again on the edge of the ring. So they're utilising the ring, the ring apron especially, um, with uh, Gargano now selling his neck. So they've both got individual in injuries here going through the match. Gargano then gets a close near fall from a fisherman driver. Gargano adds further punishment to Cole with a double foot stomp to the right knee. Cole then gets a close near fall with a bridging wheelbarrow suplex. Uh, Gargano gets a two count from a sunset driver. And then Cole very nearly gets the first pinfall of the match with a Michinoku driver. Um, and already this match is a, a pretty fast and exciting pace. Um, and we've not even had the first pinfall yet. Gargano gets another close near fall from a slingshot DDT. And then there's a close near fall, this time from Cole after his trademark Ushi Goroshi. Cole then brings a chair into the ring and delivers a low blow to Johnny Gargano, but only gets a two count. Um, but after Cole threatens to, threatens to use the chair, it's Gargano who actually uses the chair on Adam Cole to get disqualified, given the advantage and the first fall to Adam Cole. So, however, with a smile on his face, Gargano continues to beat down onto the champion using a steel chair, knowing that this is his stipulation next, a street fight. And with the chair in hand, Gargano continues to beat down on the champion, Adam Cole. So, David, before we go into detail about fall number two, what were your thoughts on the first fall? I absolutely loved the mechanics of remembering, uh, especially in, on Cole's part, uh, remembering the, the selling of the you know the injuries and uh, particularly to his, his knee and his leg area. 
you know, th this isn't something else yet again that we can add to the list of things that set NXT apart from the main roster. It's one of my pet hates is that people will sustain injuries and then when it's comeback time, completely forget about that injury. And it, it's a, it's yeah, a make of throughout the industry. And I, but I don't want to even, you know, stay on, stay on such a negative thing when this was such, you know, a positive experience. Uh, these two are absolutely fantastic. I mean, for me, it's like a work rate version of Triple H versus The Rock or some classic feud or something like that. This should be a match that, or and a feud and a you know a whole thing that people look back on in years to come and say, weren't those fantastic matches? Weren't those fantastic and often you know underappreciated wrestlers? You know, I mean, we did see a dynamic also with the crowd of when Johnny first came in that the crowd were way more for I would say 75, 25. Um, Adam Cole, yeah, you've got that bandwagon of the champion and the undisputed era, much kind of cooler, you know, unless you're uh, the comic freak or whatever. But um, you know, fantastic wrestlers, fantastic action. I think the first ball must have went about a good 25 minutes or something like that. And 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 that was a great thing, and it speaks to their wrestling ability as well. As you weren't begging for that that next ball. Obviously, you wanted to see these next you know sections of the match, but it was so well executed and so well done and. You know, so much back and forth, and and I couldn't count in the match how many times in in total they ended up super kicking each other. But it was <laughs> unreal, you know. I'm sure you have the uh, the details there. So much. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, you know, I, I said this on Facebook, and I'm sure you'll agree. People like that, you, you know, some people will talk about how they'll tire of a feud or you know a series of matches or a character when they've seen them a few times and stuff. But that's again an epidemic of the way wrestling is in the fast-paced industry and whatnot. But I could watch these guys forever, you know. I could watch a compilation of their matches for hours on end and not get fed up because they always diversify and add, add something extra. So, yeah, a, a fantastic first fall, and it just went on from there, didn't it? Definitely, definitely. So with the second fall underway, it goes immediately to the outside and around the fans in the crowd. Gargano even has time to, to take a selfie using a fan's phone. Uh, Gargano hits a dive, driving both himself and Adam Cole through the barriers at ringside. Uh, Cole then goes for a like a double hunt underhook suplex with both wrestlers on the announce table, but Gargano is able to reverse the move into a backdrop, sending Cole through the Spanish announce table behind him. Uh, Gargano pulls two tables from underneath the ring pushes them into the ring however Cole is quick to react and with a, a shining wizard and a suplex onto a chair um, that he set up in the ring Gargano then drives Cole through a chair set up um, between the turnbuckles with like a lawn dart um, before applying the Gargano escape, causing Cole to tap out and level up the match at one fall apiece. So um, your thoughts on this street fight? Like I say, it, it didn't go as long as the first fall, but it certainly was eventful. Their, their brawl through the crowd, the spot going through the barriers the table spot and then the utilization of the chair back in the ring. Um, yeah, I, I think it, uh, you know, was memorable once again for, for all the right reasons. What were your thoughts on, on this uh, second fall, the street fight, David? It's funny. And it made sense as well when you think about it because of the length that they went with the first fall and the, you know, injury sustained the um, Adam Cole, particularly, you know, with the chair and also with his legs, that that second fall wouldn't go a long time because, Gargano obviously had a clear advantage with the chair shots and all the abuse he was giving him after that as well with the, the table and throughout the crowd and everything like that. But it was kind of, again, a bit of, a, I'm just thinking about it now, a kind of a, a weird dynamic in the fact that they kind of had Johnny as the heel a little bit and it was almost making you feel a little sympathetic towards Adam Cole. And I'm just wondering, 
looking at the bigger picture, like going ahead, if maybe this means that, you know, should we, you know, unfortunately it's going to happen at some time, get a split of the Undisputed Era, or Adam Cole becomes more of a sympathetic character, this is kind of testing the waters for that, and maybe, you know, if, it, if we saw him in, like, a Roderick Strong or something, with Roderick being the heel and him being the more face character, maybe that was testing the waters for that and seeing how the crowd reacted to that, and I, I definitely think it would probably work, even though Cole works better for me as, you know, the, the cocky good, uh, bad guy, but uh, I'm sure he'd be able to carry it off the way NXT executes things as a, as a more face character. But again, it, it made sense in the mechanics of the match that it was a short fall, but a physical fall, and a great way to tie up the scores and have we're begging for that final, you know, deciding fall. Definitely. So then uh, the, the cage full of weapons gets lowered for the third and final fall. You can see barbed wire attached to the top of the cage. There's chairs, there's ladders, handcuffs, kendo sticks. And remember, you still have the two tables that Gargano placed in inside the ring earlier on. Both men go at it with uh, stiff kendo stick shots before flooring each other with double super kicks. Gargano connects with a reverse Rana before nailing Cole with a uh, another super kick for a close near fall. Cole sets up two chairs, which Gargano uses uh, to tornado DDT Cole onto, uh, with Cole's head connecting with the top edge of one of the chairs on the way down, and that looks painful. Cole then delivers a, a Panama Sunrise onto Gargano for a two count. But now uh, there are tables, ladders, chairs, and even a sledgehammer inside the ring, as well as a multitude of other weapons waiting to be utilised. Uh, Cole hits a second Panama Sunrise, this time leaping from a ladder to hit the move, with Gargano kicking out once again after two. Uh, we then see Gargano hit an, an avalanche Canadian destroyer for another close near fall. Gargano then empties a bag of goodies. Now, when I first saw the bag, I thought there were thumbtacks in there, but uh, there was everything, uh, including some wire cutters, some wire clippers that he uses to cut down some barbed wire from the top of the cage. Cole notices uh, and, and tries to escape out of the cage, wanting to uh, avoid the barbed wire at, at every cost. How, however, he only gets as far as a platform, which is placed on the top corner of the cage. Then on the 46 minute mark, in a move that will be replayed and remember, remembered and, and played on the WWE Network, no doubt, for, for years to come, Cole and Gargano come crashing down from this platform through the two tables that are set up side by side underneath. Cole somehow is able to place his arm over Johnny Gargano for the cover and gets the final fall for the pinfall victory. After both men fell, what must have been easy 20 feet from the top of the cage. And, and oh, wow, what a match. I mean, what a last fall. And, and somehow they were able to top what they've done before in their earlier and previous encounters. Both Gargano and Cole were covered in cuts and bruises and welts. Um, but I think that we've seen a match that uh, could be talked about for many years to come. David, I'm going to hand over to you. That that last fall was pretty special and topped off what was already a fantastic match. Uh, give us your kind of two cents worth on, on that final fall, David. Well, it definitely should be remembered, shouldn't it? Because, I mean, the sheer work rate that went into that match. And again, going back to the first fall, you know, you had this um, build up to the fact that they know each other so well. You know, you, they had a series of moves early in the match where they knew each other's moveset so well that they couldn't go for the Panama Sunrise or the Super Kicks because they were able to counter it straight away. They knew that the other was going to be ready for it. So in this last part of the match, it was like a war of attrition and you basically had to try and think of innovative new ways while being completely worn out from 45 minutes of devastation to 
um, you know, try and put the other guy away, and and that's what you saw, you know, and and it was it was, it was kind of weird because as you said, you, you expected those uh, thumbtacks to be coming out, and then you got wire cutters, and I think there was some brass knucks lying on it. Well, yeah. <laughs> utilized, but I like you know the little dynamics of you saw like curl up on the ladder, and he's kind of second guessing should I should I jump off here, and you maybe a Panama sunrise, and he could almost see. Um, you know, Johnny waiting to do a super kick, and and I think what was really great as well, and it speaks to the camera work in this match, is that the the tease that platform, you saw the ladders and you saw everything, and you could just see that platform in the corner, and you think, what, why is, I mean, you know, what is, how is that going to come into? I don't know for people who've seen like Ring of Honor scramble cage matches, they'll have four little platforms on the corner, and you'll often see superplexes off there and stuff. But that final spot, where, which was replayed over and over, and it deserved to be in this case, it wasn't, you know, hyperbole or anything like that. The, they came flying off sideways. Now, anybody who's a wrestler who has any sense of, you know, body mechanics or anything like that knows that that is not a good way to come off. Uh, you know, backwards is, is bad enough when you can, you know, back bump onto something and take that fall. But coming sideways where you're exposing all your side and everything else, and you saw the results that, you know, Adam, uh, Adam Cole was had like, welts on his lower back and upper back, and I think uh, he even had splinters, you know, all over his back. But I thought what was really fantastic as well as the way they sold that finish and sold that pinfall, where Cole is basically just dead weight on top of um, Johnny Gargano, and Gargano is out. And when Cole gets dragged away by the other members of Undisputed Era, that you know Johnny's not moving a muscle. You know, you often see wrestlers moving around or opening their eyes or whatever after supposed knockouts or whatever, but he stayed there for at least a good five minutes or so until after, you know, that poor Cole was caught away, and I think he took the lion's share of the abuse, not that there was, like, you know, a little to go around, but absolutely fantastic match that you could approach from every angle, and we could talk about till the cows come home from every angle and, you know, fill three podcasts with it, but, you know, if anybody who hasn't seen that match already needs to go back and watch it and then watch it a second time and see, you know, how a match is telling a story and put together in a different way from the Shayna Baszler that you said, which was a really good match in the storytelling of injuries and can you survive this kind of thing. But this told a different story of you know in three different little chapters and absolutely fantastic. Can't say enough about it. So if if I were to put you on the spot and say kind of where would you rank this match amongst. Uh, you know, all, all the excellent NXT matches we've had over the years. I mean, you think of some of the, the classic NXT matches or certainly the classic takeover matches. You've had Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bay. You've had Johnny Gargano versus Andrade. You've had the series of matches between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano again, his series of matches with, with Adam Cole. And, you know, so many eggs. There's a six-man ladder match from New Orleans. They all stand out as being fantastic matches that you'll remember to the day you die from from nxt but this one was was different once again um it's difficult to compare you know match to match but uh, you know do you think we've seen you know once again the best match in nxt history or certainly one of the best matches i would certainly say it's so far. i would definitely put an asterisk next to that and say so far because you know with this roster and you know with triple h they're gonna say we did good there let's do better next time yeah and, but this was it's hard to pigeonhole it into just how it compares to it because you immediately think of like war games or something like that when you look at that last part because obviously Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era were a big part of that and won that as far as I remember. Um, you know, and again, I immediately thought as you did of Andrade and uh, Johnny Gargano because that was a fantastic match and everybody had uh, not low expectations but they didn't really know where these 
wrestlers were coming from or if they were gel and they absolutely you know blew away all expectation so it's really hard to put it next to another match i would definitely say it's in the top oh i mean you've got a lot of your, your whole catalog of fantastic matches of nxt and even nxt uk so i'd definitely say top 10 i would I'd even put it into the top five of matches right up there with the andrade matches and things like yeah. that and some of pete dunn's matches because how quickly people forget you know pete dunn never had a bad match had absolutely fantastic matches and you know it, it um week in week out you know month in month out but yeah it, top top five definitely uh, for me and you know, I don't want even want to say can you top this because I know take take over an NXT can you know, and I, I just can't wait for more. Definitely, definitely. So I mean, if you, if you look at the card as a whole, you know, we had a great opener between the Street Profits and the Undisputed Era. We saw a star making performance from Candice LeRae and Io Shirai in match number two. Then we had a, an excellent triple threat match, which was uh, possibly the second best match of the night between Dunn, Velveteen Dream, and Roderick Strong for the North American Championship. A really well worked women's championship match between Shayna and uh, Mia Yim, with with both wrestlers selling their asses off. Um, it, you know, in an excellent, more of a psychological. Um, submission style match really you could say and then that main event uh, which we, we you know we, we can't kind of speak up enough to be honest with you it's 46 minutes of, of just you know wrestling um, awesomeness basically um, dishing out so many punishments on one another uh, what, what's your kind of takeaway memories from this uh, takeover Toronto then David what's, what's kind of one or two highlights that you kind of uh, will live with you for quite a while well, definitely the triple threat. I mean, uh, as a whole, you know, you, you, you're going to remember, and I, I hate it when people like forget so quickly how you know how great these matches are. And, and if you go back and you relive them, and you know, people will see a match this week and they'll forget how great Andrade and Johnny Gargano yeah. was. Yeah. Don't don't disrespect wrestling. You know, if 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 somebody says, "Oh, that was a great match," and, and you've seen one on the G1 or AEW or anywhere else, then go back and objectively watch them. It's only win-win. You're going to get to see two fantastic matches, and you know it's so. Uh, obviously, you know the 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 free falls match is going to stand out straight away, and, and it should be a match that people go back and talk about, and you know relive, and just we all talk about on social media and what have you, because it deserves it, and the work rate deserves it of, of a whole of that entire roster. You know, you haven't got a, a bad match on the card, as usual, from this five-match format. Um, uh, it, it's absolutely fantastic, you know, so I'd say to people who haven't watched, then watch, and if you've watched, go back and watch again, because these people deserve it, and they deserve, you know, this this platform. That the, the main roster is, you know, a lot of people are at the moment, like Raw isn't where it used to be, and this, that, and the other. We're in a rebuilding stage now. We have AEW on the scene, and we have, you know, other promotions like MLW at a lesser extent, and others coming along. That there's there's a smorgasbord of things for people to enjoy and things like that. But you know, if if you want to do these people justice, and if you want to like, uh, you know, give them the respect deserved, then then give them a chance. And you know, NXT is is the flagship as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure you'll agree for. Uh, for WWE at the moment, you know, if you if you're tired of Raw, if you're tired of SmackDown, NXT is the place to be. 
Yeah, it, it still surprises me and it staggers me every single day. You, you hear people talk online, uh, you know, Facebook groups where they haven't given NXT a chance yet. And it's been around for, what, five or six years now. And uh, um, But uh, just changing the subject ever so slightly, sticking with NXT, however, and you've probably seen over the last week or so on social media and certainly on your turn in heel page and my uh, Wrestling with John's Facebook page, the news that NXT will likely move to uh, FS one in October. So obviously um, Fox are taking on SmackDown um, every Friday night from October. And obviously you've got to AEW starting their weekly show Wednesday Night Dynamite on TNT um, in a, a live two hour format every Wednesday. But FS1 is kind of like their, their, their sports channel, Fox's sports channel, essentially. And it's quite a, a flagship channel within the kind of sports, uh, Fox's kind of umbrella of channels. And it's likely that NXT will be moving to FS1 for a live two hour show, much in the same way that AEW will be uh, running Wednesday Night Dynamite. So there's a few changes there. Firstly, it could be, it could possibly be departing from the WWE Network, which would be a massive shame. Um, if that happens, it would be going from a one hour taped show to a two-hour live show every single week um uh, so kind of what's your thoughts on the proposed format changes with it going uh, from recorded to live and two hours every week uh what was your kind of thoughts on that just on the surface of things david well you know i don't know the financials of um what fox is you know paying for this but i, I know that they've you know got a commitment to making sure this is a very sports orientated there uh, you know product that they're going to provide none of the gaga that you've often had in the past with wwe product and characters and stuff they want a reality base to it and nxt that's certainly it's it's strength you know it's a wrestle centric yeah, product and you know there's realistic characters even the more flamboyant characters like a velveteen dream or somebody like that are based in you know a, a real person and a, a you know yeah. a, a realistic character so i don't think that's going to be a problem obviously my only concern is well two it's twofold uh, one the two hours might take away as i said the the specialness if you will of uh, nxt the fact that it's very digestible at an hour leaving the network could be another problem because that's all uh, you know it's always one of the top t- 10 shows on the network for uh, viewership wise um going going to it'll give more viewers obviously if it's going to fox um uh, but the two hours does concern me because you might be uh, spreading them. And it's, there's, there's enough roster there. Obviously, there's tons of wrestlers in the performance center that we are yet to even see. There's um, tryouts happening all over the place, um, just most recently in Canada and places like that. But I just hope that you know Vince McMahon can keep his paws off the product and just take a standoffish and maybe a just overseeing kind of point of view and just leave it the trip. If it's the old adage, isn't it? If it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. You know, NXT works is the product that is. If it get out to a bigger audience, fantastic. Now, I know a lot of people for the next thing I'm going to see are going to roll their eyes, and that's simply the fact that they say that this is a deliberate policy by WWE to run on a Wednesday because, you know, AEW. Now, maybe that's true, maybe it isn't. The way I see it is that Fox wants them on this day. They've always been on that day anyway, and that's the way it's going to be. Whether this is to co, you know, counteract AEW or whatever and it'll be interesting to see how AEW goes and handles this as well because obviously they've got a lot of very capable wrestlers there but will they go to a more sports entertainment to you know deliberately counter this because you know they've got the characters there the MVFs and the you know the likes of them and Jimmy Havocs and people like that for a more you know extreme style 
So maybe they'll mix that whole thing. We'll see. But it's definitely the one thing that positive that we can see out of this is it's a win situation for every wrestling fan because we yet we now have more choice and a realistic uh, you know chance of seeing two major products going head to head and battling to to put the best product out there. Mm. I mean, my, my only, I've got two hopes really if, if this does come to fruition. And number one is if it goes to two hours, which is what's been reported as we've discussed, it might be an opportunity for more of the NXT roster to get a little bit of TV time because you do, you do see quite a few of the same faces week in week out and quite often on the takeovers as well and it'd be nice to see some fresh faces i mean for, for example keith lee he's been with uh, the NX, uh, nxt roster wwe for over a year now and we haven't seen him on a single takeover so it'd be great to see you know other people get in the mix and that extra hour might give them the opportunity and obviously you've got the nxt breakout tournament that's been um, absolutely fantastic over the last three or four weeks and you know you're thinking well, where where within the hour uh, are you going to find time to fit all this wonderful talent in um i know that when they tape at the moment they tape four or five hour you know tapings or four or five weeks worth of uh, of footage for their uh, weekly tv but uh, maybe having that extra hour will give uh, a bigger platform to more wrestlers but my second hope as you said is uh, hopefully um although it's going to be on a bigger platform possibly with uh, more uh, eyeballs on the product um we hope that vince mcmahon doesn't dabble too much or at all and i i, I think that uh, Hopefully, and you know, in my heart of hearts, I hope that Triple H has kind of left and his, his team within NXT continue to continue doing what they've been doing so successfully over the years. Um, and I kind of think that's possibly why Triple H wasn't given uh, one of the executive director roles for either SmackDown or Raw, because they knew that this was going to happen and they were going to trust him and continue to trust him with uh, the NXT products. But, uh, you know, to echo your sentiments, um, you know, I think there are some pros there. There are some cons there. Um, but I think whatever happens, I hope that the, the product doesn't suffer and I hope that the the the, uh, the fans that watch it religiously week in week out like myself and you David don't suffer either um but um that you know that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode this NXT takeover Toronto review David uh thank you so much once again for helping us out with this edition of uh, of wrestling with Jonas before we go uh, I just want to kind of ask you to give your social media pages a bit of a, a plug. I know that you've got a, a very popular Turning Heel Facebook group. Tell us a bit about that and how can uh, my wrestlers um, get in touch with you or find out about Turning Heel? Well, Turning Heel obviously is where you go when you want to um, discuss maybe... not that, It's not that we're a, a negative group or anything like that. We, we're constructive criticism, I think, is, is the best way to describe it and stuff like that. And we try and... Cover. I mean, obviously, with myself, I'm very uh, NXT, um, WWE, and you know, I have me have me of all little ones around, um, like Revolution for Wrestling and Progress, and so on. We try and um, suit all tastes, whether it's uh, New Japan or MLW, and we'll discuss all that. And we like to have a little bit of fun on there. There's a little bit of you know more mature language and things like that. Um, aside from that, um, I do run uh, the Tony Stone page. It's mostly just uh, photographs from our matches and you know, model shoots or whatever. So for anybody that's a big fan of Tony Storm, get yourself on there. It's Tony Storm Unleashed. Uh, 
And then you might find us on the odd time on a very nice little page. Well, it's not such a little page now because you're coming up uh, called Wrestling with Jonas. And I, I think there's a really attractive model on there that sells some very nice T-shirts that are available right now. Uh, you know. So, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a handsome, he's a handsome-looking fella, isn't he? But uh, yeah, I, I, I've been told that you can get 10% off of Wrestling with Jonas merchandise up until the end of the month. Uh, and and the links, of course, are on the uh, Facebook page. But uh, yeah, enough about me and my my modelling days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that 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 is the end of this episode. Thank you so much, David, for coming on and helping us out. And and it, it, say, I'm, I'm sure uh, you, you don't mind coming on to review what was an absolutely fantastic and very very enjoyable takeover, as they always tend to be. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please don't don't forget to hit like, subscribe, and shout about this podcast. Tell your friends and tell your family. Like I was saying, keep listening to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT UK, NXT WWE and all-round wrestling goodness. Without you sharing and subscribing, this podcast can't continue to grow. Uh, so hit that like, share, and subscribe button now, people. Please don't forget to hit us up on Twitter, at with Jonas underscore pod. On Instagram, we're there, at Wrestling With Jonas, and on Facebook, uh, just search for Wrestling With Jonas. Don't forget to check out our range of T-shirts, as I've said, at uh, teespring.com, and we'll be back on Tuesday evening for our SummerSlam review, uh, where I'll be joined by Heather and Half Decent. But in the meantime, from myself and from David, thank you very much. Take care, and speak to you all again soon. Mm-hmm.